0: Welcome to the RSP cast. I'm Matt Waldman with the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. I'm going to do a quick pod on my thoughts about the Kadarius Toney trade between the New York Giants and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I want to give it to you from a scouting perspective because I think it's important to understand some things with a little bit more nuance so you you know you don't fall for some of the labels that people give and write off players too soon. Or overvalue them. Have a little bit of balance with your perspective. And I think this is a great example of how to do that by talking about this deal. Because I think the Kadarius-Tony deal is a good trade. Giants head coach Brian Dable inherited immature players at the wide receiver position in Tony and Kenny Galladay. Now, immaturity is seen as a negative, And it can be. You can certainly regard immaturity as a negative thing. But immaturity can also just be a state of mind that can change. And it's just a natural part of a player's development or evolution. In this case, it's more about youth, lack of perspective, and maybe these players being unintentionally enabled to think that they are better than they are. And I have to believe that when Dable took the Giants gig, he saw Tony as the most salvageable of the two. Galladay had earned a second deal off the backs of Golden Tate and Marvin Jones in Detroit, who created optimal matchups for him and earned targets. And it helped him earn targets from a big, tough, you know, machine-gun-armed or bazooka-armed quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Okay, Now, I'm not saying Galladay doesn't have skills. He obviously has NFL skills to produce at a high level. But he needs more surrounding talent to achieve that productivity than a true primary receiver. Unfortunately, the Giants, at least the previous regime under Dave Gettleman, They expected Galladay to be a primary option when they signed him. And it was an unrealistic expectation. A lot of the work he did came on seam routes where Tate and Jones were on the outside. And Galladay drew safeties or nickel corners. Either he could outrun or he could body up because of his size. He didn't have to be the main guy, even though he could get production that made him look like he could be the main guy. And where teams fail sometimes is that they pay high dollar contracts to guys who are really complementary receivers with big play ability, but need that talent around them, that surrounding talent of multiple receivers and a good quarterback in order to produce at the level that's expected of them. And I think Gabriel Davis's touters among NFL organizations And fantasy players in dynasty formats should probably take heed of the lesson of Galladay. And they can also look at Alvin Harper and Peerless Price for additional historical context if needed. Now, Tony is an immense talent who can beat anyone one-on-one. And combined with his ball tracking and open field skills, he has many of the traits to become a primary receiver. Behavior and habits in and out of the facility were the forms of maturity questions for Tony. And, you know, when I talk about that, you know, some of that may be getting into some trouble off the field. You know, the degrees of trouble can be different. You know, there's what Tyreek Hill did, and then there's things that maybe Tony did or Jimmy Smith did for the Baltimore Ravens, where you could classify some of these things as maybe societally not quite accepted you know four years ago compared to what it is today or to things that could lead to further trouble if left unchecked and the player doesn't continue to grow but still things that you may say well immature but no less immature than somebody who goes on to have a successful life in terms of you know relationships and family and career and they can become counted on people fred taylor was an immature football player and immature human being coming out of Florida when he came to Jacksonville. And he was a player that literally they needed to have have an off-duty police officer follow him around to club after club to make sure that he made it to the team flights early in his career. Fred Taylor. Yeah, now teams don't do that kind of thing. I doubt they do that kind of thing anymore, but I was told this that this was that was the level of immaturity that he had that they were afraid that he couldn't be relied on to make a team flight which is literally a tradable offense by most teams but they knew how talented he was and and kadarius tony is in that tier of talent that you would compare to a a, a player like fred taylor a potential game changer and taylor became Literally a ma- uh, an an integral leader of the locker room. Once he grew up, he went from you know his early twenties to thinking he was still living the the life at Florida as a college student. And there are a lot of human beings who transition from college to real life, football or not, who sometimes have a little delay between you know with making that transition and going. I'm not in college anymore. I can't party like this anymore. So some of Tony's behavior may could be more in that the realm not to the exact for the exact reasons as Taylor, but could be more in that realm of he can grow out of it. Um, now, the thing is, is that the inherent issue with Tony's game on the field that concerned me since his days at Florida was how out of control his footwork can be. He uses a lot of wide radius cuts and dynamic movements that sometimes go past beyond his shoulders and frame that can lead to slipping and awkward planting when it comes to route running and ball carrying. And sometimes, and when it works and he can maintain the stability, he makes dynamic movements that few will make and can generate big plays off of it. But watching him slip repeatedly and make awkward movements that often didn't work, you know, it was a kind of a boom-bust behavior, I was worried that injuries would be a potential recurring issue with Tony because most receivers make the required dynamic moves within a route in a very in a much more efficient manner. Things that are trained, and he can do these things at work and when they do, like I said, at a high level. But the downside is is he is sustainable with his movements as other players, and what's the downside of it when he's not, and Part of that downside is injury because can it lead to it looks like it can lead to more soft tissue issues um, awkward planting that could lead to ligament issues um, you know the you want to be able to play efficient and within control so that when you're taking contact that your body doesn't get bent in a an unnatural way and this is another factor with scouting that isn't underscored enough. Does the player have to be healthy? At a higher threshold than what coaches normally expect, in order to produce, because as we know, no one's healthy in the NFL after the first week of the season. No one's playing healthy like 100%. Um, and football requires a level of toughness to be able to to be able to grit through regular injuries. But there's more to it than just being tough enough. Because this is different than lacking toughness, if your movement style and deficiencies with movement style are tough to unlearn or are very natural in a way that's wild, it can make the player an all or nothing option where he's just not able that what he does so well he would have to unlearn it and relearn it in a more efficient way, and if he doesn't. He's consistently going to get hurt and hurt in a way where he can't execute to his style of play. Like if your movement demands a high level of health because your movement style dictates that. And now, and once you get hurt, you can't perform to that expectation. You can't perform to that level. Then you're, you have an all or nothing game. And that's a, something that scouts and organizations have to be cognizant of when they scout talent. So when you combine the two factors factors of injury and maturity, and head and that head coaches have come to learn that reliability is a preference to just high upside talent, um, when there's signs of you know lacking that reliability, they're going to choose the reliable less talented players, and Dable knew heading into the, this summer um, that this was some of the stuff that he was going to have to deal with, with Galladay and Tony. And he set a clear boundary that sends a message to the players and sets the tone for a culture. He likely set the tone this summer about an open competition to see if he could get both Galladay and Tony to mature in terms of how they look at their jobs and their work ethic in order to do it. And he probably had to challenge them in ways that they haven't been challenged before in Detroit. He probably wasn't challenged enough to be better. Maybe he was challenged verbally, but he wasn't reinforced with benching him when he didn't perform to a certain level in terms of the processes that he needed to perform to be better instead They said, let's get the most out of this athlete. We've got the technicians in in Tate and Jones. We can make him a matchup weapon and just make it as easy as possible for him and let him do what he does best. And there's merit to that. You you know, in a college game, you only have so much practice time. So you need to be able to maximize what you can get out of your player. And if you have great athletic ability, oftentimes that um, takes precedence over technical skills that they expect you know, if you want to learn them, you do that on your own time. We'll show you where you can go. You can also let us know. We'd love for it to see you do it. But we can't in the NCAA support that in terms of time devoted to it because you only are allowed so much practice time with your players. In the NFL, it's about, listen, perform or, or don't be on the team. And we expect you to figure that out for yourself. That's your job to continuously get training. You know, it's not like when you're at a, at a corporate gig that everything that you need to get better at, they're gonna train you for. They expect you to do some outside training, to learn to get better as a leader, to learn how to do certain skills, and maybe they'll pay for some of that. But for the most part, the people who really excel do their own outside training in the um, in football and outside of football. So when you look at Galladay and you base it on the second contract that he got, it was unintentionally a great enabler or reinforcer of both Galladay's positive and negative traits, which is they valued me for what I did, and I earned more another opportunity to play for a team and a bigger one because of my production. But it also sends the message to a guy like Galladay, who's still a young guy. When you think most of these guys are under 30, most people don't. F- I'm sorry if you're under 30 and you feel you know there are a lot of you who are very mature for your you know at that age and have grown up. And face things and overcome things and experience things that have given you this perspective well before 30 but a lot of people don't figure out what it's like to really have adult like behaviors on the full spectrum of life until they start to approach 30 or get out or after it and it's very possible that holiday's big contract also enabled him to think that he deserves to be on the field, that he deserves to be um, a starter, even because look, they paid me to do it. Look at the production I had, not whether or not he fits well in the offense, whether he's making the plays that they expect him to make um, based on what he did or didn't do last year and what they want the receiver position to look like. So, it might make him more entrenched in his thinking that he deserves to be on the field and more likely to pout. And I think that's likely. That's kind of what's been happening here. I think Dable likely knew this. And heading in, he probably hoped that he might have more success reaching Tony with this message. After all, if Dable's benching the highly paid free agent Galladay based on enforcing the boundaries that he set forth in the summer, then it sends a message that no one would be immune even an early round draft pick like Tony. And it sends the message to the team about the culture that Dable's establishing and that he's being fair about it. There's not gonna be any griping about whether he's being fair if he's actually reinforcing his boundary against, uh, you know, with some of the higher paid players, the bigger name free agents, the early round draft capital talent. I think it's a great move to make in year one as a coach. And it was also wise for Dable to target a position that was bloated salary-wise relative to its production and deflect some of the attention away from Daniel Jones. Kansas City gets a player in Tony who can be a top five receiver in the NFL if he refines his movements where they are too wild and grows up in the way that many in their early 20s have to. So Tony's contact balance, his release skills, his ball tracking, they're all fantastic. He could be a form of what Tyreek Hill was, but in a different way physically, uh, You know, forcing defenders and opposing defenses to account for him in ways that they had to account for a big play option like Hill in Kansas City's offense in a more dynamic way than they have to account for Nicole Hardman, who's not as multidimensional in his skill set. Being a part of a top organization, Um, where he won't be enabled purely on the basis of his talent versus the rest of the depth chart could also facilitate this lesson. And if not, the Chiefs just gave up only enough to take the shot without incurring a huge loss. So I'm rooting for Tony. I think he could be one of the most entertaining players in football. At the same time, you know, understand the risks involved with him if you're attempting to project his future value whether you, you know it's as a fantasy player or a football fan, understand that you know there's some things he has to have click in his mind, maturity-wise, to grow that may not be something that you can see or analyze on the field. Um, and then the things that you can see and analyze on the field, well, you gotta see those manifest in, in some sort of change where he can be a little more efficient and in control of the way he moves. And those are subtler looking things but those subtle things, they're gonna, the changes are going to be underpinned by whether he has the mindset to recognize what it is that he needs to change so that he can be available weekly and in practice and whether, he can, and whether he'll do it. And if he recognizes it and does the work, over the course of time, he could become an absolute dynamic stud of a wide receiver in the NFL now the likelihood of that happening it's probably more of a 50-50 deal at best right now because of the fact that again at his age the the level of experience that he has in life and the way most people do and the amount of money that he's getting paid he might see this as a reward and a in a way without the um the required effort and ownership to, to really make the most of it that he's getting, you know, that he's actually going from a a bad situation to a great situation. He probably feels that way, but hopefully someone in that organization says to him, listen, man, you're in a great situation here, but there are things you've got to work at. There are things you've got to get better at, and it's going to take some effort from you. We want to make you a dynamic option here, but we don't need you right now it would make us a lot better if you play to your ability and play what do what we think you could do, but we don't need you right away to be a winning football team. We we're taking a chance on you. We're not relying on you. And if he gets that message and takes it in a mature way and takes it in a positive way and as a challenge to get better, it'll be awesome. If not, he may be on his third, fourth, fifth team in the matter of the next two to three years, and maybe even out of the league or playing in a different league, at least when he's healthy enough to go. Thanks again for, for listening. Um, for more of my podcasts, you can subscribe to my channel, Matt Waldman's RSP Cast. You can check out my film work too, at YouTube, Matt Waldman's RSP Film Room, and of course my site, www.mattwaldmanrsp.com.